I was I was listening to how I tell stories in some of these first episodes, and you can hear the restraint in my voice. You can hear me trying not to swear. Right. I think I'm just going to have to let her rip and and just swear. Let the expletives fly. I want this podcast to be like, these two friends came up to me at a party and they're like, we have a story for you, f***o. Yeah. I'd be like, tell someone else. <laughs> Wait, Sorry, carry You've on. never met anyone at a party who's told you a good story. No. Ever. Don't think so. I'm too busy, like, throwing shapes uh, on the... Throwing shapes in the house mat. of dance. Yeah. Welcome to Save Me From My Shelf, a literature podcast where we take classic tomes off their pedestal to make you less anxious about reading them. Our jokes come from a place of love and for a specific teaching purpose. However, if you think that making fun of great literature, and maybe some mild swearing, is offensive, this might not be the podcast for you. Hey everyone, welcome to the fourth episode of Save Me From My Shelf. I am Abby. Hello, I'm Daniel. <laughs> what is our text today then, Daniel? Picture the scene. <laughs> Medieval Cheshire. The plague is abounding across the land. <laughs> uh, the sky is all grey. People look pasty. And they have funny haircuts. It's the Middle Ages. We're doing Gawain and the Green Knight. We are, yeah. We sort of shoehorn this in a little bit because, and I'm so annoyed about this, um, there was that big film release that was coming out right around the time this episode is is due to be released. And so we we worked this in and um they canceled it in the UK. So uh I, at some point, I mean American markets, please feel free to still enjoy this, but at some point you and I are going to have to see this movie and talk about it in a much later episode. I was really annoyed. I was really hoping that we could work in a little film review at the end of this, but um have you read Sir Gawain? Not before? only have I read Sir Gawain, before. I can't wait to hear where you're going with this. But I've also read Pearl, the other poem by the Pearl Poet, or the Gawain Poet, depending on how you want to name the anonymous author of both of those poems. But you must be insufferable at cocktail parties. Uh, um, I think you'll find that... Um, it, that's that's all I have for you. Uh, uh, the thing is, this doing this podcast has given me a bit of a complex, because I, I love doing accents, but I'm very bad at them. I did not realize how bad I was at doing yours. Yeah. I, I listen to these when I edit, and I'm like, wow, I sound exactly like Daniel if Daniel had a head injury. Yeah. It's good, though, Pearl. Pearl, it's quite different. It's about mourning and has a lot of sort of... Uh, not interested. ...metaphysical niceties. No. This is, uh... If this doesn't have scenes of hunting and very strange psychosexual games, I'm not interested. Yeah, this is a bit more of a romp. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's one way of putting it. So uh, I guess I'll go through the normal stuff. We're about to spoil this for you. I have no idea if this is going to spoil the film or not, because I somehow suspect that they've added a slightly different plot to the film. I've watched the trailer, and it seems like there's a lot of stuff in the in the poem that's missing in the film. Describe the, the extra bits of the trailer for me, please. It seems like it's a lot more action-packed. Oh, God. I know. Jeez. Iron Man comes and collaborates with Gawain. And yes. Wise cracking and. Well, I just look. I don't. I don't know what the film is going to be like. So maybe this isn't going to spoil the film for you. Maybe it is. Y'all are just going to have to deal with it. I don't think there are any trigger warnings in this particularly. There are some grisly bits 
they're grisly scenes of hunting, but I'm not going to particularly dwell on them. There's a lot of sex in this, uh, and I am going to go to town on it. Okay. I also am probably going to swear quite a bit more in this episode, but don't worry, I will I will bleep it all out. And Gee, then that's a relief. also I'll bleep out just everything else yeah, in this do. podcast. Yeah, I think um, so. yeah. Okay, so do we want to do any background? We'll be, we'll be pretty brief about this. The poet's anonymous, isn't it? No one knows who he or she was, but they probably... Uh, Came from around the North Midlands. Yeah, they uh, were. Uh, I wrote here a Midlander. That's not a word. No, a Midlander. Yeah, that's very offensive to my people. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm deliberately pronouncing it wrong that's to annoy right. you. Yeah, well, we Midlanders are quite easygoing. Um, but uh, well, I think it's it's cool though because they um they were able to sort of tell because nobody knows who the author is. They were they were able to do some linguistic analysis on the author and determined they were probably from that area, which is cool. Yeah. So when they're contemporary of Chaucer and this kind of Chaucerian dialect is more comparable to kind of what English became, whereas I think this, because we're reading this in translation, aren't we, with the Simon Armitage's translation, I think this um, dialect is a bit more unintelligible to modern readers. Yeah, and well, that's one thing that I wanted to talk about too is what is old English? So I almost brought this up when we talked about Othello because a lot of times people are like, Shakespeare, I can't handle old English. I hate that. Shakespeare is not old English. Old English was in, it stopped existing in the 11, like 1150. It's when, a, William the Conqueror. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a totally, yeah. totally different language. So you would not be able to understand a word of old English. This text here is just coming out of Middle English, which again is a totally separate language. So the the translator says here, oh, you might get the odd word, you might get the odd sentence that just about makes sense. A lot of this, you still need a proper translator mm. to, to deal with. Yeah, this is ultimately, it's a poem. So it's meant to be read aloud. We're not really going to be able to do justice to all the poetic forms and things. But my God, if this doesn't have the most bonkers plot you have ever heard in your life. But right. Sit back, folks, because we are going to tell you a story, and i got to be honest, this is the best f***ing story I've ever heard in my life. I love this so much. I love it so much. So the narrator opens saying, Guys, Britain's a really weird place, but we have this king who's named Arthur. He's led us through some pretty f***ed up times. Here's just one of his many stories. And can I just pause immediately and say, King Arthur doesn't do shit in this poem. He's barely in it. So to be like, Arthur has led us through, you know, here's, this is part of his, you know, the extended Arthurian universe. It feels a little rich, but okay. It is a spin-off though, isn't it? I think that is the sort of point, isn't it? You've got the, you've got the matter of Britain, that's where all the kind of fun Arthur stuff happens, and then this is just kind of like, you know, this is like Frasier to Cheers, isn't it? I like just, let me also, I like all the kind of stuff about Britain being founded by a Trojan here. This mm. is in a, I read this in Geoffrey of Monmouth's History of the Kings of Britain, because, you know, that's a jolly, jolly read. Uh, <laughs> God, you're a boring yeah, bastard. Yeah, a boring bugger, yeah. Okay, picture the scene. It's Camelot. It's Christmas. We got woodland sprites and Queen Guinevere toasting Yule nuts or some such. You got Merlin snogging one of the sacred oaks under the mistletoe. I don't really know what they got up to. The point is, it kind of has an office party at Christmas sort of vibe to it, right? I think, but with more jousting. Yeah. Fewer photocopies, more... (laughs) The only problem is Arthur's being kind of weird. He's up at the high table, and he's refusing to eat until something cool happens. What is that something cool? 
I don't know. He's like, somebody challenge somebody. Somebody tell a story. I'm so bored. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, it's like somebody's boss giving them a weird test or it's like a, <laughs> almost like a frat party hazing ritual. Like, yeah. I'm not going to eat until something dope happens. Classic hunger strike. So, well, I mean, wish granted, I guess, because all of a sudden some jolly green giant looking motherfucker bursts into the room like the Kool-Aid man. He's huge. He's two, hot. Two uh, product placements there. Let me just... Uh, yes, this this episode brought to you by... Peas and horrible American red drink. Yeah, red drink. But so, this guy, Burson, he is enormous. He's on a horse. He's good looking. And he and the horse are completely green. I'm talking their skin, their hair, their clothes, everything, right? So, in one hand, he holds, quote, the mother of all axes, a cruel piece of kit, I kid you not. So, I guess we're just straight into this story then, to hell with the preamble. I mean, we are, we are in it, right? And the giant is just like, Merry Christmas, dummies. Who's your leader? And everyone, including me, is stunned silent. And Arthur's like, um, me? Can, can I offer you some venison or... And the giant's like, listen, Blondie, I'm not here to mess about. I mean you no harm, despite me violently bursting into your party, brandishing an axe. So here's the deal. I hear that you and your men are really chivalrous and will grant people anything they ask. So we're getting, you know, Don Corleone on his daughter's wedding vibes, right? So I'm asking... Let's play a game. And my first response is, no. So it's no. Saw meets um, the, Godfather. the Godfather. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, what I just like is that you can you can get anything you want from people by just being like, I hear you have this reputation for being so generous. Side note, can I have your wallet? Um, no, you, I just, no. that, that, let that be a lesson to you. It really works every time, as this story tells us. Or at least it did in the Middle Ages. Uh, <laughs> like, ba- ba- the people were like, on a second to none, wasn't it? You know? Daniel, you're such a hard worker. Do you want to do all my marking for me? I mean, you got just your reputation, really. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, then, yeah. Carry on. So, okay, here's the game that this guy proposes, and it makes total sense, I swear. So he says, um, but he starts insulting them out of nowhere. He says, if one of your prissy little baby knights is man enough to strike me, by which he means, like, strike me with a sword or an axe, right? Like, properly cut him. And then is willing to be struck in return by me, I will give you my big axe, which is in no way a penis metaphor. It's not a penis metaphor, Daniel. Stop looking at me as though it were. I was just thinking about terrains of applesauce. <laughs> so he's going to whack a terrain of applesauce <laughs> over this guy's head. As is traditional at Literary Christmas. <laughs> that is a callback to our Wuthering Heights episode. You can hear Daniel get upset about a terrain of applesauce. So the, the giant says, whoever's brave enough to do it, you can strike me first. I won't even flinch. But a year and a day from now, you have to come find me. I'm not going to tell you where I am, but you have to come hunt me down. And you have to let me return the blow to you, right? And in fairness, Arthur says, quote, your request is quite insane, <laughs> which is a fair play to you, Arthur. So Sir Gawain, who is Arthur's nephew and his least dope knight, is like, Arthur, my liege, as your least dope knight, I am the weakest, I am the dumbest, and the loss of my life isn't going to mean that much to the round table. Like, it's not going to affect your, you know, it's not going to mess up your stuff anyway. And since this jerk has insulted us, let me challenge him, and if he kills me, well fine. I'm like, or you guys could just not take the bait. I get that there's this whole code of, you know, honor and whatever. You could just throw his ass out into the cold Welsh winter and be like, bye, we did not invite you here. Welsh winter. 
Didn't you say it was Welsh in your last clue? Well, it's kind of Welsh. Isn't, isn't Camelot supposed to be in Wales? No, it's Cornwall. Well, I, I googled this. Oh, I'm sorry, because Daniel's a Cornwallian. Uh, a Cornwallian? Cornwallis. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, no, I thought they said, I looked it up and I thought they said Camelot was in Wales. Ooh, are you bristling? <sighs> are you physically bristling right now? Just, it's just another example of Welsh imperialism <laughs> over the Cornish people. Okay. I thought, weren't you a Midlandser? Yeah. A Midlands I've got a number of mixed allegiances. Okay. All right. Uh, just, I just wanted to keep them, keep them all straight. Yeah, thank okay, you. Okay, cool. Okay, so here's the thing, though. Sir Gawain has got a plan, and he plans to... He's not going to mess about. He's going to just completely behead this knight, so he won't have to receive a return blow in a year and a day. We've all been there, aren't we? That is the quickest way to solve any problem, to decapitate the challenger. I would love to have you watching my back in a bar brawl. Yeah. Just, you go right for the jugular, literally. So Gawain takes the proffered axe, and he chops the Green Knight's head clean off. And it's really gross, Um, it's quite visceral, there's there's blood everywhere, the party vibes are completely off by this point. blood? Ooh, that's a point. Is it green? I don't know. I don't think so. Get the line. Let's let's say yes. Blood gutters brightly against his green gown. The against makes me think it's red. Oh, I'd I'd be tentatively willing to accept that. Regardless, I mean, this stops the party stone dead as it would if all of a sudden there's been a decapitation in the middle of it. You know, Sir Bors and Lady Elaine are no longer on that photocopier. And then, Daniel, then the green knight gets up. And he picks up his head like he's just dropped his keys. He jumps back on his horse and screams, Away, Bucephalus! I've named the horse Bucephalus. I hope you don't mind. That is not... Alexander's horse. Exactly. A bit of horse nerdery. I was hoping you wouldn't know that. It's embarrassing me just how nerdy that is. And, And he's like, See you next year, sucker! And everyone, again, is just sort of frozen in place. And Arthur is there like, This is fine. Everything's fine. This is the best Christmas ever. <laughs> and that is the end of part one. Fit the first. Fit the yeah, first. Yeah, what is a fit? So it's divided into fit. So I don't know what a fit is. Probably should have looked that up. F-I-T-T. The premise has been established. My God, hasn't it been established? Yeah. So meanwhile, just like everything goes back to normal, doesn't it? The year carries on. This is what, not to interrupt you immediately, but Please. I just thought if he's like, you have to seek me out or your honor will be forfeit. Why do you wait the full year? I would I would start locating him immediately. I think it was a slower pace of life back then. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like some kind of you know you you Americans trying to do everything immediately. Uh, but what happens if you run out of time? He doesn't know where he is. He could be up in the Orkneys with you know the Frankenstein's monster and Clerval's body. Uh, it's a little callback to Frankenstein. Also, there what isn't there a degree to which Gawain is kind of dithering and okay, right. well anyway. So a year goes by. There's a bit of a kind of epic catalog, isn't there? Listing all the knights. Oh, this is absolutely fan service in this sort of yeah Marvel movie offshoot. It's a bit like and Sir, you know, Sir Bors was there. Sir Bors, was, yeah, it was Sir Bors. Who else was it? It's they're all there. Galahad, Sir Tristan, L- Sir Lancelot. Yeah, uh, they just do a little lineup of like, and the whole crew was there to say goodbye. Gawain is just kind of. You know, kind of blithe about it all. Uh, a bit Pollyanna-ish. Yes. Would you go so far as to say he's a himbo? So they're all like kitting him out, aren't they? There's a lot of kind of... I love all this stuff, talking about all of his robes and <laughs> baldricks and things like that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. they spend forever talking about how they dress him. Just this Renfair-looking yeah. motherfucker. 
That um, is my worst nightmare, the idea of somebody dressing me. I hate that. When you're a knight, though, you kind of need it, don't you? Because you need all your, your, you know, cuirass administering and things, don't you? I guess. I just, I really hate being fussed over and the idea of people sort of like, I don't know, just fitting things and tightening that. I just, it would drive me insane. And then they all kind of, uh, well, they escort him and kiss him and commend him to Christ, the light is, isn't it? And they, you know. Mm, Is that what you call it? They're all sending him off. I like this bit about the uh, pentagram shield that just goes on for a long time. (laughs) Um, Why he has the star on his shield is because he was deemed flawless in his five senses. Secondly, his five fingers were never at fault. Thirdly, his faith was founded in the five wounds Christ received. (laughs) Fourthly, his fortitude is rooted in Mary's five joys. And fifthly, he included friendship and fraternity with fellow men, purity and politeness that impressed at all times, and pity, which surpassed all pointedness. So he's got a lot of... He's got five big fives. There's a lot of five going on. But like, there's, the poem's alliterative, isn't it? But we've also got this sort of like funny conceptual alliteration, which I quite like. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just wondering, did you find this section particularly Catholic? Because I was just thinking about the sort of the stuff and how that makes you more godly and just their obsession with things and kit. I was just, it, it had a very like, um, get that sweet, sweet loot get it for the Lord sort yeah. of vibe to it. it. It felt very pre-Protestant Reformation. Yes. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of bling, as they used to say. They don't really say that anymore, do they? Uh, uh, they, they the medieval people. Yeah. Uh, yeah, medieval Midlandsersmans. Yeah, exactly. Mid- Midlandians. So that's the end of his, like, prep. He goes out a-questing. He kind of uh, hangs around Wales for a bit, doesn't he? He kind of goes up through Wales. That's what made me think it was in Cornwall, because he goes up through Wales. I'm so sorry. Well, in fairness, it says he goes to North Wales. No, 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 no. He says he goes through Mm. Wales, then hangs around North Wales a bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Because there's a bit of Hollyhead, isn't there? They say he... On on the left was Hollyhead. I have touched a nerve with you. No, it's fine. (laughs) If you want to deny my culture hero, that's fine. So he goes to North Wales, kind of hangs around there a bit. Little mad stuff happening there, isn't there? Like, I don't know. Well, they talk about how he goes on all these adventures, uh, like he fights serpents and snarling wolves, but this section has been cut for time because we had to spend eight damn pages on his tabard. That's one of the things I really like about kind of medieval poems and like epic <laughs> stuff, is no. that the, they always seem to like not focus on the thing that Your are contemporary. Your priorities are wrong! I love that about that, but okay. their priorities are, are, yeah, it's all about kitting people out. By the way, he also fought a bunch of creatures. He goes to the Wirral, which I quite liked. Uh, the Wirral is apparently full of barbarous people, uh, you know, which is the kind of peninsula next to Liverpool. Because these days, if you meet people from the Wirral, they're all like, um, I'm sort of from Liverpool, but I don't sound it because I'm really from the Wirral. So it's kind of it's this kind of suburban bit now. It's very posh. So it's funny that it used to be a sort of barbarous place, apparently. Then, then he enters a kind of strange region, doesn't he? I don't mm-hmm. know what. So he's gone through Wales, crossed to the Wirral, than the strange region. I don't know if that's like Lancashire or something. Doesn't matter. There reaches a point where he realizes he's been kind of jollying around too much, fighting uh, creatures and wild men, and um, realizes he needs to go and find the Green Knight pronto. So he uh, kind of speaks to the Virgin Mary as they did back then. Uh, there's a bit of a Catholic bit for you, and uh, then finds a kind of weird castle in the wilderness in this strange region that he's uh, wandering across. And is greeted by the master of the castle very, very warmly, isn't it? Firmly, like good friends, they hugged and held a little while. Yeah, gee, what what am I going to say here, Daniel? It's nice to be greeted nicely, I suppose. Like brothers? Wink! 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a queer reading. I missed it so much in our last episode. The last episode was so bananas, but... The The staunchly heterosexual Wuthering Heights. God, it was so hetero. Yeah, the dude is muscly and hot and redheaded, and Gawain isn't not interested, Um, is the the moral of that bit. Well, you're going to like what happens next, I think. Uh, (laughs) Everybody kind of... Gawain is welcomed into the castle... Everyone is thrilled by him. I think he's like, it's like a, he's a bit of a little kind of dweeb, isn't he? Yeah, they, they all come around and marvel at the wee yeah, virgin. Kind of proke, it, yeah. uh, proke him, prod him and poke him. Yeah. Proke, if you want to save time. Then uh, there's the lady of the house. She's sort of very glamorous, isn't she? That's he, yeah, he thinks she's hotter than Guinevere, but in fairness, Guinevere is his much older aunt by this point, Gawain's aunt, so... He does a little assessment of uh, all of her ladies-in-waiting, doesn't he? Yeah, we have this funny summary, don't we? Uh, Whereas the lady of the castle is very glamorous, her sort of uh, bond maid is very uh, not so... And we have this funny bit about her trunk was square and squat, her buttocks bulged and swelled, and most men would sooner squint at her whose hand she held. That's a bit mean, isn't it? Yeah, it's a a little shitty. You don't need to go on about a lady's big butt. Some ladies would pay a lot of money to have a big butt. Some ladies do pay a lot of money. They have a big feast. It's Christmas morning. They're all like opening their presents in their pajamas, aren't they? Gwen's. <laughs> I don't know if uh, anyone's been present at somebody else's Christmas morning, but I have. It's yes, weird. Yeah. So Gwen's in that sort of position, isn't he? He's a bit sort of. <laughs> I'm so happy that you got what you wanted. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> They're all like, you know, they do the special song, and Gwen doesn't know it, and you know. Do you think they had those weird little crowns that your lot have? Uh, the little paper crowns. Oh, from. Like the Christmas, yeah. Do you not have that? Not in America, no. Because I feel like you have like little kind of George Washington wigs that you put on because you're a republic. (laughs) We have a we have little uh, tricorns. Well, that comes later, doesn't it? It Comes on Christmas with Christmas dinner. You don't have that in the morning. Well, maybe some people do open crackers in the morning. I don't know. I don't want to be present at some weird up Christmas where people open crackers in the morning. So uh, you're gonna get so much hate mail. Yeah, I just you know there's a time to open crackers and there's a time not to. It's not in the morning. So they have a big Christmas. Gawain and the lady of the castle have a sort of uh, frisson, but he's What just does like, that mean? There's, you a, say there's this... a sort of chemistry between the two of them, but... Frisian! Frisian, say frisian. it like, like a human. It's frisson? Frisian. The uh, lord of the castle is like, so Gawain, what brings you here? You know, after he's opened all of his scalectrics <laughs> and whatever, you know... Uh, all of his socks. Oh, another pair of socks! It, well, hose are called about them, but yeah, point, point well made. All like Bugs Bunny on it. And, uh, Disappointing. Oh man, if your parents are listening to this, they're going to be like, Danny didn't like the gift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't even wear those socks in any kind of normal context, can you, if they've got like joke shit on them? No. no. So Gawain explains his quest, the, the green chapel and everything, and the, the Lord's like, oh yeah, I know where that is, uh, where the knight lives. Just you, you relax. You have a good Christmas. We'll, you know, we'll be playing party games and things. And so, you know, we'll do all that, and then I'll take you to the Green Knight's abode. They have this sort of moment of a kind of oath to each other, going sort of like temporarily the Lord's knight. You know, it's kind of a sort of a temping type thing, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and the Lord's like, "Here's the deal, Sonny. I'm going to be out hunting every day. You're going to have to stay here. You know." 
hoovering. You can't what. come. Uh, he's like, he's like, whatever I find in the woods, I'll come back and give to you. Like, let's play, let's play a weird little game. You know, you get whatever I find in the woods. Whatever you find in the castle, you have to give to me. And I'm, I'm just sitting here going, but wait, isn't everything in the castle already yours? Yeah. yeah so uh, I just like, going, I have quest like, have some questions. Ask some questions, my friend. It was before absolute title existed in terms of property, though, wasn't it? So maybe... Gawain could get stuff. I guess, but just like, can you please stop making creepy packs with people? I'm uh, fool me once, my guy. You know, it, yes, that's stop. true. Actually, yeah. It was a very packy age, wasn't it? I think people were always kind of like, I guess, you, like, you go out, get some milk or whatever, and you come back and you're like, oh, I've just already been roped into six different packs. I think that was <laughs> the sort of situation. That's why we had to put an end to it with modernity. <laughs> That's why we had to. It was just weird psychosexual games. Nobody was getting yeah. anything done. Like Columbus and Martin Luther and all the yeah. rest all got together. And we're just like, I'm, we can't I'm be having with this. Uh, from all these pacts. This is the part of the poem that they never taught me in my undergrad. And boy, I wish I had, because I would have paid a lot more attention in class. Okay, so really, really buckle in, Daniel, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into it. This is, this is the best thing I've ever read. I'm so happy right now. Okay. The Lord and his entourage, the next day, they go hunting, they nab a deer. There's all these scenes of hunting. I don't really want to get into they're that. They're quite a bit, someday. They're, they're very good. They're very interesting. But that is not why I am here, friend. So, they're hunting. Gawain is still snug in his bed. And he hears his bedroom door open. It's very early in the morning. He peeks his eye open and sees the lady of the house sneaking into his room like a thief in the night. She sneaks up on him like a Prius. And he's like, this is awkward. I don't know why she's here. I'm just going to pretend that I'm still asleep and let her do whatever she needs doing. And, you know, if she has to grab something and then she'll go away. Except she doesn't go away. She sits on his bed and watches him sleep for a very long Has time. Has a cigarette, didn't she? <laughs> so he's like, um, okay, this is a pretty awkward. I, I don't know how long I can do this. So he goes... Oh, I'm awake now. Oh, my lady, what are you doing <laughs> no. here, right? And she's like, I just I just wanted to chat. All the servants, they're asleep. I'm, I'm just here for chatting. And he's like, you know, I could really chat a lot better if I had some pants on. And she's like, oh, Gawain, you're a scream. Yeah. And she sits on the bed with him and forces him to like make polite chit-chat with her until noon. I would be furious because I'm a, I'm an up and instant breakfast sort of person. I would be livid at this point. Didn't really have breakfast back then, did they? You just all had pottage in the middle of the day. Uh, yeah, are you are you willing to stake a claim on that? Because you're such a good medieval scholar. Well, I mean, I have completed medieval total war a couple of times, so so have I, so hundreds of times. So yeah. I'm pretty. Well, much yeah, but probably it's one of the easy countries. I was uh, arrogant. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I bow to your expertise. You know my best friend, the medieval scholar. I'm going to ask her about this. I'm going to make a note. She said pottage. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, yep. Verily, as they said back then. Yes, she'll Before she'll say verily. Daniel's a genius. Yeah. He really knows his stuff. Uh, genius. They did hard G's back then. Um, <laughs> so she finally leaves the bedroom. And before she goes, she pulls a column and she goes, just one more thing. She's like, are you... Peter Falk. That, sorry, that's already going to be my guy playing the, the lady now. Carry on. <laughs> I would love to see Peter Falk in this role. So she says, are you sure that you are Sir Gawain? And he's like, 
Yeah, why? And she says, well, you know, Sir Gawain has the reputation for being King Arthur's most chivalrous knight. And you've just done something that's very unchivalrous. And he's like, oh my god, what, I'm so sorry, what is it? And she says, well, you know, well, we've been chatting for several hours and you're letting me leave without asking for a goodbye kiss as, you know, politeness and chivalry dictate. And Gawain's sitting there and you can feel the cogs spinning in his head. And he's like, I, I feel like there's some sort of flaw to your logic, but I... I really can't bear having my reputation as as a chivalric person tarnished, so okay. Uh, you know, Daniel, please feel free to stop me when things start sounding really weird <laughs> at any point. So they, they kiss, and then she leaves, and he, <laughs> I love this bit, he sort of bounds out of bed feeling really lively and happy. And I'm just thinking, it's, oh, Gawain, baby, my sweet baby. It's just an erection. It's okay. You don't know how to process it yet, but he's real, just like eager to greet the day and in a very good mood. So that night, the Lord of the Castle comes home. He brings home the deer that he killed from his hunt. And he's like, hey, Gawain, this is what I found in the woods. Let me just stop you there. It's very filmic, isn't it? Because we have these like cuts back and forth. Yeah. Like, he's like, he's out there hunting. There's all like intestines flying around and mm. stuff. Then we have the cut back to like the lady kind of inching closer hunting doing her exactly. own hunt yes. yeah but I, you really feel like it's like cutting back and forth i like that i think this is why this is so easy to read at least this this edition of it because yeah it's very cinematic i mean you feel like you're you're there it's very easy to picture mm. um so he says okay here's what i found in the woods what did you find in the castle because you have to give it to me by by our agreement and gawain's like oh, i've found a kiss a little bit so he and the lord just have a little bit of a snog um and the lord's like wow that was great. He just plants one on him, doesn't he? That's, yeah. that's kind of like spontaneous. Yeah. And the Lord's like, do you want to tell me where you won the kiss? And Gawain's like, no. And then he and the Lord just laugh and laugh and drink and drink. And I'm not making any of this up. I really wish I were, but this is all sort of word for word. So while they're feasting and drinking after, you know, a little makeout sesh, they then decide to play the game again uh, the next day. And so the Lord goes out ne the next morning Gawain stays at home. The lady breaks into Gawain's bedroom again, even though she talks about how the door can actually be bolted from the inside. And I don't know why Gawain didn't do this unless he wanted her to break in. Gawain, you dog. So they talk again for a long time, curled up in his bed. And she says again, I can't believe you're being so unchivalrous. This morning you haven't even kissed me once. And I'm like, can you please let the man brush his teeth? There's a lot of kissing in chivalry, wasn't there? It was all about kissing people on the battlefield and... You know, it was a better age. Yes, I'm just gonna say yeah. it. I just, I, hey, I told you in the first episode. This is how I read. I just want characters to just smush their faces against each other. And my God, does this text deliver? So she's like, "Kiss me again." And Gawain's still a little bit weirded out by the whole thing. He's like, "I just, I don't know if this is the right thing to be doing." And the lady is like, "Listen, Gawain, we are, we are bound by sex law now. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. I just work here. So he's like, well, okay. So they kiss again, knowing full well, given how yesterday had gone, that he's going to have to kiss the Lord when he comes home from hunting. And there is just no heterosexual explanation for this. I'm sorry. I'm sure medieval scholars would be like, I think you'll find that, that, that kissing was a sort of normal... I don't care. Let it be gay for a little bit. I don't know if this was actually a good place to talk about the idea of chivalric romance, because the conversation that Gawain and the lady have 
it's incredibly flirtatious. It's so erotically charged, but then it always pulls itself back at the very last minute from being totally inappropriate by talking about like Christ and honor and all of these things. And I, I think that's, um, I really like that about chivalric romance because it's never sort of wholly platonic and it's never wholly sexual. It sort of really it has a foot in either camp. It's a very weird thing to read and from a modern vantage. I love it. Um, the lady sort of escalates things on this second morning and she says, okay, we've kissed. Let's boink. It's chivalric, probably. You kind of have to. And Gawain is really sort of uh, at cross purposes here. He's like, listen, I mean, have I thought about having sex with you? Yeah. Am I consumed by it? Also, yeah. But doesn't that mean that I'm going to have to boink your husband later tonight? Because that, I gotta be honest, that might be my limit. This is all subtextual. I'm sort of uh, editorializing a little bit. I'm not Superman. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's the thing stopping him. Mm. He's like 17. He'll rally. Okay. She tries to seduce him, but it's all really lighthearted. Uh, and it, this is such a weird, it's tonally so weird to me. Um, it's sort of like if Wes Anderson directed Fifty Shades of Grey, where it's just like the scene does not quite match up with what's happening. So like she's, she's trying really, really hard to seduce him, but it's so light and whimsical and honor filled and whatever that Gwyn's actually able to politely refuse her and she finally leaves. So the Lord comes back to the castle with the boar that he hunted. He gives it to Gawain. Gawain, as per usual, gives the Lord a kiss in return without saying where he got it from, and they decide to do the competition for one more day. Why, Gawain? Why? There are other games. There are other games. Othello, Ludo, you referenced Uh, in previous episodes. I like Consequences. I think that's a good kind of Christmas game. Right. What is is that in American? I don't know. Where everyone writes down a name at the top and then folds it over and passes it on, and you kind of create a story collectively. Never played that. Mm-mm. Oh, it's great fun. Mm. Uh, so the Christmas evenings roll by. <sighs> is that just because you're drunk? Uh, I think it helps. It helps, though, yeah. yeah. So the next day, as per usual, I mean, this is just lather, rinse, repeat. At this point, the Lord goes fox hunting, and the lady, as is her wont, she she breasts boobily into Gawain's chamber dressed in her most revealing outfit, and they make a real f***ing meal out of this. Like, she's she's very, um, I don't want to say inappropriately dressed, but, you know, she's, she's certainly putting the girls out there. And she's like, what, this old thing? And so they talk the whole morning, they kiss again, and she's like, look, we really, at this point, need to have sex. And Gwen's like, listen, I would, but I took one of those purity pledges. Look, I have my ring and everything, my promise ring. But he does say, like, you know, tomorrow I have to go face the Green Knight. I might die. That's kind of a mood killer. I I think I would be in the opposite camp. I think it's a now or never sort of deal. But, you know, whatever. We all have, we all have our different reactions to grief. So she says, that's right, I forgot that you have to go, you know, maybe meet your death tomorrow. Take my girdle. It's magic. It's uh, yeah, that, it's that old, the old trick. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's magic. It's green. It will protect you from any harm. The one catch is if I give you my girdle, Colin, you go. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can't tell my husband about it. So, just just to recap, just so we're all on the same page, this woman sneaks into his room repeatedly every morning without anyone knowing about it, locking the door behind them. Wearing 
basically like booby tassels by the end, rolling around in his bed, kissing him, but him hanging onto her belt. Well, that is just the giddy limit, right? Like just so we're all on the same page. Cause she's like, oh, well, if my husband sees you with this intimate article of my clothing, he'll, he'll figure it out. Isn't the issue that if she gives him the girdle, by the rules of the game, he needs to forward on the girdle to the Lord. And that's Defeats why Defeats the purpose. Is, yeah. So that's why it's transgressive. But she also says something about, like, it's an intimate article of my clothing and he'll twig that something might be up. Yeah. So it's, it's a dual, yeah, yes, you're right. But mm. it's also the whole, like, well, he can't possibly see you holding my belt. So Gawain mulls this over and he decides that whatever weird psychosexual game he's got going on with the Lord and Lady does not trump the protection he's going to get from having his head cut off. So he's just like, yeah, I'll take this girdle. I'll take it. I will say nothing. Good day, madam. And the Lord of the Castle comes back that night with a fox from his hunting, which he gives to Gawain. And Gawain, you know, sort of reneges on his promise to the Lord and keeps his promise to the Lady. So he only gives the Lord the kisses that he receives that day, and he says nothing about the girdle. So... We have a re-kittening, um, <laughs> where you... Something to do with kittens. I was going to say... Yeah. Uh, no. Gawain gets kitted up again. This time to go off and meet the uh, Green Knight. And he remembers the girdle, importantly. Hidden under he his clothes. He puts on his girdle, yeah, under his normal belt. And leaves. It like, is spooky, isn't it? It's genuinely... It's eerie, it's weird, it's spooky. Like, the, the atmosphere is great in I, this. It just also just captures the bleakness of England. I think there's a kind of a beauty to the bleakness of England. And, uh, yeah. The clouds, which had climbed, now cooled and dropped, so the moors and the mountains were muzzy with mist, and every hill wore a hat of mizzle on its head. The streams on the slopes seemed to fume and foam, whitening the wayside with spume and spray. Uh, so just it's, That's delightful. Yeah, sounds good. Generally a sort of... Bleak landscape, but ultimately pretty nice, you know, in a poetic way. What's mizzle? I love that word, but I don't know what it means. It's like just drizzle. Yeah, drizzle. sort of one of the kind of. Kin- it's like it's like a you know like one of the kindred damp weathers that what? we have in this country. <laughs> the, the kind of mist and drizzle. The bastard child of uh, yeah, mist and drizzle. Yeah, and uh, he, the one of the Lord's servants leads him to the Green Chapel, which is where the green man supposedly lives you know because green people live in green houses don't they that is true and the guy who guides um gawain a bit of alliteration for you there says like oh you gotta be you better be worried about this boyo inside this place he's like a real uh, savage and he just kind of attacks people and like randos walking down the street anyone who comes near him and it's a really creepy landscape isn't it it's a kind of it's it's in a sort of uh ravine the rocks outside the chapel are so sharp and pointy that no cloud in the sky could escape unscratched. Oh, that's funny, great. Uh, that's, yeah. This is so well written or well translated. I just like that the servant is like, I got three words for you, bucko. Closed casket funeral. Run. Grab your bug out bag and like go to France. Go go away. I mean, but you think that, I mean, I think Gawain quite rightly is like, well, it, this guy, if he can pick up his severed head, he can find me wherever I yeah. am. Yeah. So he goes into the um, chapel and well, he approaches the chapel and you can hear the... Uh, love this. I love the, this so the, much. The This kind of awful sound. A blood-chilling noise. What? It cannoned through the cliffs as if they might crack, like a scream of a scythe being ground on a stone. What? It whined and wailed like a water wheel. What? It rasped and rang, roar on the air. My God, cried Gawain, that grinding is a greeting. My arrival is honoured with the honing of an axe. So, uh, oh God, it's the Green so Knight good. is... 
sharpening the old axe. So that's uh, it's genuinely thrilling. Now yeah. I read that and I I, I got a, a sort of hideous chill up yeah, my spine. It was it's horror. great. It's yes. great. So Green Knight gives him a little pat on the back and says, "Well done for keeping your promise for turning up." Difficult time of year as well, New Year's, isn't it? So uh, hard to get a taxi, famously. <laughs> so Gawain takes off his helmet and says to the knight, like, you know, you've had a go on me. I mean, I've had a go on you, now no, you have a go on me. He's all like preparing for death. The green knight takes a swing, but doesn't hit him. Like on does, purpose. Yeah, on purpose. And does that twice. And it's kind of a bit like, a, it's a bit too for flinching, isn't it? You know, uh, and Gawain, yeah, the knight describes him as Namby Pamby for, for flinching at this uh, near decapitation. Well, and I totally agree. Uh, I don't know about you. <laughs> what, you'd, you'd stand stock still and yeah. oh, face yeah. it like a man? Yeah. The knight does a third chop and just nicks Gawain's neck. Uh, another little bit of alliteration for you there. And uh, cacophony. And a bit of blood drops out. Red blood, I believe. And that's, but like, that, the magic of the girdle. Is what protected him there, right? I think so. It's not really made clear if he if he was like, oh, I'm actually a really good axeman. I can stop it and just give you a little nick. If, or if it's the girdle that did. I, like, I don't know. It's yeah, not. It doesn't really matter. Does it, it, does, it doesn't really yeah. matter. Then Gawain kind of steps back, gets his uh, sword out yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And there's like, right now for the fight. And the knight's like, oh, don't worry about it. It's all, all good now, buddy. We're even. And he gives Gawain his axe. So there's always these silly kind of legal fictions in it, aren't there? Where they're like, well, I did technically try to decapitate you, so therefore the deal is done. And, you know. Yeah. In the, in the case of uh, Gawain versus Green Knight, it was found that a <laughs> cut to the neck counted as a decapitation. So going forward, that's going to be the rule. In the legal court of this psychosexual game, we yeah. find you, Gawain. <laughs> it turns out suddenly that the Green Knight is actually the lord of the castle. Speaking what of psychosexual game. A fucking shocker. And uh, this guy loves weird games, clearly. Uh, ruining people's Christmas with mind tr- tricks. Mm-hmm. So the Lord is like, good on you, Sonny. Thanks for the kisses, by the way. I'm, we all knew what was going on. Uh, I sent it, my wife. Yeah, it's like it a all, swingers club yeah, gone horribly weird, wrong. horrible trick. But I did give you a little nick on the neck because of the girdle. Because you didn't, you know, I knew all about the girdle. Well, uh, so I don't, this is the bit I don't understand where if he had given him the girdle and then Gawain had gone in not protected but having honored his promise, would he have decapitated him or would he have not have done the third swing? I think he wouldn't have done the third, or he would have not nicked him. It's just, I don't, I, I don't understand what would have happened. I'm so confused by like the morality and the lesson we're supposed well, to Well, there's a bit, isn't there, where they talk about that. They say like, <sighs> the person who repays will live to feel no fear that like, it's all about debts and deals, and if you go along with a deal completely, then you need not worry. And I think that's the point, that because he didn't yeah. need a girdle, he loses a little bit of his neck. <laughs> I uh, guess. But it doesn't make any sense, does it? it, it he, makes... All of these things are totally arbitrary, and Gawain didn't need to take any of them up, and he just did it out of politeness. This, and... It made no sense whatsoever, and I don't care. I like the bit where Gawain rips the girdle off, and like spikes it at the Green Knight's feet like it's an American football. She's like, here! So, yeah, Gawain's freaked out, throws the girl to the ground. Green Knight, he's just, he's unfazed, isn't he? Gawain's irritated, but Green Knight's just thoroughly amused by the whole enterprise uh, and says, have the girdle. You know, I don't want it. Uh, my favourite bit is where Gawain is, like, he, he goes through this whole bit where he's really struggling to sort of figure out if he's guilty of something or not. He yeah. has a real sort of moral crisis. And you can see Gawain trying to, like, work it through in real time and the knight is just there going don't worry about it it's all just good fun well, he's it's like, all just sport he's like you know what Gawain you are guilty 
Guilty of being adorable. Come yeah. here, you son of a bitch. I can't stay mad at you. Take the girdle. We're the best of friends. And Gawain's just like, wait, no, there's a lesson here. I'm sure I was supposed to learn, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know what it is. So Gawain goes back to the Camelot, tries to kind of clarify with them. I think he kind of has a few hearts to hearts with the other knights and says, like, I've done wrong or whatever. And they're just kind of like, don't worry about it. And they all yeah. just kind of, uh, they all just chuckle and pat his back and, you know, eat this is the best bit, cause... meat and things and... Yeah, go on. And it just, I, I love the ending of this so much where Gwen goes back after this incredibly weird experience and he's like, wait, so you guys, like, uh, th- this whole thing happened. Did I sin or not? Did I break an oath or not? And Arthur is just like, well, I think we've all learned a valuable lesson here today. <laughs> and they laugh and laugh, and then they decide to all wear green sashes in honor of this event. Uh-huh. The end. And Queen's like, wait, what? And they're like, no, no, but really, though, the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's the end of the poem, and I love it so Poor much. Guy. I just want to take this poem and just kiss it gently on the forehead. I love it so fucking much. Uh, guy gets groped. While staying with somebody. Kind of likes it, but maybe not. Yeah, is worried about it, and then goes home and everyone just laughs it off. That seems to be the uh, plot. Please, everyone, please go read this poem. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. I love it. I am, I am actually crying real tears. I love it so much. Okay. Ladies seldom make passes at men with green sashes. Uh, and men seldom make passes at women with fat asses. Should we cast this? Uh, go ahead. Uh, do you, do you I've already have... got Peter Falk for the lady. I'm trying Just a to little like of... little shoulder reveal yeah. from Peter Falk. Okay, so my casting choice for this. I know there's a film that's just coming out, but we have not seen it, so I can't comment on it. I'm sure Dev Patel will be delightful in it. I want Donald Glover as Sir Gawain, specifically Donald Glover from Community, because he's got that real like jockey, but boyish, but incredibly innocent... I think he'd be hilarious. Like if we played this slightly more as a as a comedy, I think he would be perfect in this. So I just want I want Troy Barnes is what I'm saying. For the lady, I want Angelina Jolie, who would just eat him alive. Mm-hmm. You need that. And then I thought for the the Lord, the Green Knight, someone who's handsome but with this sort of um real burly masculine menace. So I'm thinking a sort of Tom Hardy or a Javier Bardem sort of type. Oh yeah, they're quite different to each other, aren't they? I mean, they they're both big lumbering sort of How are we gonna get him green? He's gonna paint him green. I was thinking are there any actors that look slightly ill already? And then you could just Ooh. kind of green them up a bit. Interesting. But but they have to be burly, that's really I think the thing. Burly and nauseated. Come <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'll have a I'll have a thing. Please write in if you know of an actor who's both burly and greenish. Yeah. I mean you know, CGI and, and even practical effects do a lot of heavy lifting nowadays. You know that, right? I know, but there's something magical about an authentically... An authentically green man. Yeah. Final question about casting. Yeah. You say you'd have the same actor play the Lord and the Green Knight. Yeah. Does that not ruin the twist? Uh, I think you need a separate actor. Makeup? Big green makeup. Okay, all right. Well, I said either Tom Hardy or Javier Bardem. They could do like that. Do you remember the Johnny Lee Miller and Humpty Back Bandersnatch Frankenstein where they used to switch off? Yeah. Every night in this role, they'll switch on and off every, every scene. scene. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Okay. At some point, this was the bit where I was going to reserve a bit of space to talk about the film. I will put this in another episode, which I'm very disappointed about. I really want to. Well, this is about books, and I'm not here to talk about moving images. So You're I'm not here to close. talk. Well, this is about narrative, and it's my podcast, so it's actually here to talk about whatever I want it to 
be. Well, this is a CUDA podcast, and I say no. Uh, <laughs> Staging a coup already? I was waiting for this. Yeah. What's the moral we're supposed to take away from this? I think I have an answer for this. I think it is about the balance between civilization and nature. Yeah. It's... What, what was that? What's that noise supposed to mean? It's kind of interesting. Go on. Well, because there's so much that happens within nature versus within the castle. Nurture, yes. No, sorry. But also the fact that there's a green man full stop. If we're if we're going with the sort of classic medieval understanding of the green man, he, he symbolizes nature and rebirth. Because he's a sort of folk type, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, so the, so if you guys don't know what the green man is, look it up. There's a there's a huge folk history there that I do not have the space or expertise to get into. But is the kind of guy that looks a bit like a bush, isn't he? Uh, uh, he he's had many different incarnations, some of which look a bit like a bush. Sure. So the Green Man clearly is all about sort of nature. There, there are issues of rebirth here, the fact that it's happening at New Year. There, there's clearly something about sort of natural cycles. But then the tension between courtliness, but also sort of, I don't know, enjoying bodily urges to some extent. The, the fact that Gwen seems to be celebrated for not breaking his oath, but not also maybe behaving as fully honorably as he should. There seems to be sort of... It's, it's about finding that balance, I think. But she only got him in the name of chivalry, didn't she? She only got him to kiss her. It, yeah, but, but you, I do know what you also, mean. There was this funny sort of squaring the circle. He there. also clearly was not not into it. Yeah. I mean, the knight was smooching him the first evening he was there. I don't get... I mean, I don't know about the Middle Ages, apart from how to lead Aragon to victory over all of Europe and Asia. But... Um, and Asia? Yeah. But, Are you a genius? Yeah, I think I might be. A genius, but, as you said yeah, before? Yeah, as they said back then. I don't think about the Middle Ages, but chivalry seems like a pretty f***ed up moral system, doesn't it? Isn't there a lot of like, in the name of the peaceful son of God, I'm going to stand on this bridge and batter as many people as I can until... You know, there's a lot of yeah. stuff. It doesn't make any sense, does it, to me? Do you pronounce it... Here, here's my question for you. Gawain, Gawain, Gavin... I say Gawain. Ga- Gawain. I mean, I've, I've heard different variations on this. Uh, well, some people are still called that. Mainly. Gavin, yes. No, no, Gawain, some people are still called as well. Many Welsh people. Never. Yeah. Apart uh, from that one student we have, I've never met a Welsh person. Okay. Well, there are others available, and some of them are called Gawain. Are there? Yeah. Okay. Arthur, it's pronounced. Um, <laughs> but I, I say Gawain. I'm not, I mean, I'm doing, I don't know. So you're not claiming Welsh heritage in addition to your Midlands or Urban and Cornwellite? Well, there's, there's no Welsh in there. the difference between Midlands and Cornwall. You've kind of got Wales, haven't you? Sorry. So. Sorry. Am I being offensive? No, no. no it's, it's, it's fine. Why is that single tear rolling down your cheek then? I was just thinking about St. Perrin and all of his sacrifices for the Cornish people. <laughs> There's nothing to do with you. All those brave tin miners. And it's also got the bob and wheel. If you guys look this up, then so we have these these long passages that frankly read almost like a novel. It's you forget this is poetry for yeah. a lot of it, and then at the end, what there's this little these little like four lines, yeah. and that that's the wheel. Yeah. Then let the Lord decide. Oh well, won't help me here. I might well lose my life, but freak sounds hold no fear. We've had you know that's the that's the wheel. I think it's kind of like it kind of sums up the uh, 
previous bit of action, doesn't it? It's like a little kind of rhyming couplet at the end almost. It's and it's probably, couplet, but, you know. it seems like a little segue as well of like, we're wrapping up this bit, let's yeah, move on exactly. to the next little scene or the next little moment of action or something. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I just, I'd never heard that as a, as a sort of term before. I wonder if that's a typical medieval device. I think it, I think it was big at this time. I, I honestly don't know. I, I have so little experience reading medieval Who's this even Literature. for? I don't even get who this is for. Uh, just the good people of Cheshire. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine just a little campfire story. Do you yeah. want to hear something? Sitting in Bunbury. You want you uh, want <laughs> you want to hear something a little yeah. a little sexy? You want to hear something a little violent? Go on. Yeah, so well, somebody must have been like, Oh, I want something a bit of sex and somebody else was like, I want something a bit of violence and oh. I, want, I want a lot of uh, animal intestines. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll come up with something. I think that's how this developed. Alright, so here's a little bit of advice for people. So this was a work of translation. Daniel actually picked this translation. I think it was an excellent selection because this this guy did a really good job. It was so readable He's for me. He's a laureate, isn't he? Simon um, Armitage. Everybody does him for their GCSE, or at least I did. But I was thinking, if say you're reading something in translation and there are you know 50 different versions and you don't know which one to choose, how do you choose something? How do you know which one is the right one for you? And my answer, which is not going to be that helpful is just Google it, because most of us do not speak more than one language well enough to be able to delve into the nuances of translation. But there are plenty of people out there that have very strong opinions and do have that expertise. So just Google it, five minutes, you will very quickly be able to discover some sort of consensus about which versions are best for what reasons. This one does X great, this one does Y great and pick one of the top ones that seem to generally be considered okay. There are other search engines on there as well, let me just say. None specifically oriented toward translation though. Uh, Daniel's saying, um, can you please Bing which one is the best? Yeah, can you exactly. can you please Yahoo? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry, am I giving too much? This podcast sponsored by Google? No. Google. You can't say that, yeah. <laughs> it's clearly a joke. No, no, but they'll, um, they'll break, break my kneecaps. They, they break yours, not mine. Yeah, that's how they do it. Sick bastards. Um, Why, under the assumption that I give a shit if you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, good, get him, get yeah. the other one. So our clue to the next episode is that it's got a lot of car crashes in it. Yeah, please write into our email or tweet us. Our email is shelf at gmail.com. Our Twitter account is smfms. Save me from my shell. Just take the first letters. You can figure it out. You're a smart person. Underscore podcast. Don't assume that, please. I will assume. Okay, cool. And then I guess just um, our question for today is, have you ever read two translations of the same text that were wildly different? Because I've read two translations of Beowulf, and one was very good and very readable, and one was very bad and very boring. Which was your favorite? Which one do you think? Oh, I, I asked the readers to be smart. I guess I didn't need my co-host to no, be no, smart. God, no. Who were they by? I don't remember who the good one was by because I was in high school. Right. The bad one was the Tolkien Beowulf. And oh, I, God, yeah. He did a going in the Green Knight, too, didn't did he? Did he? I, I just, I tried. I tried so hard. And maybe maybe it's just my reading style. I like Lord of the Rings, but I just could not get through his translation of Beowulf. Right. Thank you guys for listening to Save Me From My Shelf. Bye. Thanks for listening to Save Me From My Shelf. Our music is The Overture to Don Giovanni by Mozart, and cover art is by Catherine Wu. 
Our thanks to Aston University's Centre for Critical Inquiry and to Society and Culture for funding the startup of this podcast. Contact us at savemefrommyshelf at gmail.com or at smfms underscore podcast on Twitter. And do not, I'm going to remind you, do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Do not forget. Thank you.